you may have some technical questions about, you know, I'm, I'm planning to retire. What is that going to look like for me? Those are still conversations to have with your HR partner. But what we want to be in the EOC is a resource, just a general resource that if someone has a, a thought or a question about, well, what does that mean with, with regards to the ESOP? We can hopefully answer those questions. Welcome to SSR On Air. I'm Mike Rogers, your host for this monthly podcast brought to you by Smith Seckman Reed. Tune in as I interview leaders, colleagues, and clients about what is going on internally at SSR and in the larger engineering community. Uh, welcome to the uh, podcast, SSR On Air. Appreciate everybody coming in today. Today we got Tim Pretty, Annie Brophy, and then we got Karen Espenson on uh, on a Zoom call or a, a Teams call with us here to uh, to talk a little bit about uh, the ESOP and ESOP committee council, employee ownership council, okay. the EOC, the EOC. Okay, very good, very good. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. But first, I think, Tim, you've been on the podcast before. And, Andy, you've been on the podcast before. And, Karen, we'll put you on the spot since you haven't been on it yet. So just uh, just quick introductions. Just uh, kind of say, you know, who you are, what you do, and maybe a little bit about how you got here to SSR. Uh, Karen Espenson. I'm a project manager, mechanical engineer in the Dallas office. Um, started my career as a design engineer. Uh, with the firm actually probably less than a mile away from where I am right now and did a lot of the different things since then. I've been on the sales side. I've worked as a financial analyst, believe it or not, and I've even owned my own clothing store. And then I uh, ended up back in design, thankfully, after COVID hit and um, quickly found my way to SSR after being at a firm that wasn't quite working out to what I thought it would be. So fast forward. It's been a year and a half, I think, since I've joined SSR, and um, I hate to sound corny, but I will say it's the best company I've ever worked for. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. I've said it many times, so I agree. I agree. Well, glad to have you. Glad to have you. Andy, just real quick, just recap uh, what you do here and a little bit about yourself. Yeah, uh, I sit over in the MEP side here in Nashville. Um, I'm a building performance engineer basically work on energy models a lot of my, my time here, uh, pro manage projects, and uh, generally interface between uh, architect teams and our mechanical teams, both for SSR projects and external clients as well, in a nutshell. And Tim? Well, I'm the CFO, been here 23 years, and uh, been part of the ESOP, uh, I guess, since the beginning. It was uh, part of the team that put it into place 100% back in 2016. Very good. Very good. Yeah. So the, the ESOP just, um, I guess, back up in my mind a little bit. SSR's always had an ESOP, right? I mean, from the mid 80s, from the mid 80s on. Um, but it was a minority kind of share ESOP. And then about, what, seven years ago? Yep. 2016. We started the exploration process in 2015 mm -hmm. uh, and uh, took us a year to kind of get to the point to do the transaction. Right. Right. So 100% ESOP now employee owned um and i get that i get asked that question all the time are you really a hundred percent esop because you see esop firm out there and what does that mean so um so anyway so we're here to talk about that a little bit but i also talk about the employee ownership council, ownership council. yeah EOC. there's <clears throat> okay kind of the interplay between what the purpose of the council is versus the 
the ESOP more on the legal side of things. I think we're I we're a little so. bit separate from that, but in the same manner. Yeah, uh, we're more so a group uh, that is is meant to be a resource to the the rest of the company, colleagues, our peers on just what it means to be an ESOP and how that benefits us personally, versus the 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 technical and legal sides of the ESOP as far as the ownership structure goes. So that's I think the the basic way that I would separate the two. All right. So yeah. the so the genesis of it. Well, let me back up just a little bit. So when we went to 100% ESOP, uh, we've kind of always had an ESOP committee, but one of the formal committees from the board was to have an ESOP committee that they delegated the administrative task of the ESOP, mm. kind of the legal, the, the, the management of the ESOP. And so we've had that in place literally since 2016. Uh, my team, myself, are pretty involved in that, but it wasn't any form or fashion of promotion of the ESOP. And so what we felt like we were missing uh, in the ESOP experience was to promote this idea that we all need to act like owners and we need to understand we're an ESOP company. And there's a little differentiation too, Mike. You mentioned we're a 100% owned, employee-owned company. A lot of engineering firms are 100% employee-owned. Right. It's just owned by 15 people <laughs> or 20 people or right. whatever. It's not 100% owned by employees And so, in terms of all employees. And so that makes SSR a little unique in that fashion. And we just want to communicate that and promote that and be a resource to people if they're curious about what's that mean that I'm an owner of a company now. Uh, and so that was kind of a gap that we felt like we had. We asked Karen and Andy to kind of head that piece of it up. We, we specifically did not want leadership to be part of that promotion. We wanted to kind of be kind of a grassroots kind of idea. So Okay, so that's the genesis of, of yep. where the idea came from. That's right. And so, how did uh, how did Andy? How did you get involved, Karen? How did you get involved? How how did you guys get here? Tim asked me. He called me one day, sort of out of the blue. I, yeah. Hey, yeah. hey, Tim, what's, <laughs> what's happening? Yeah, what's going on? And uh, just kept laid out the his thought process behind what this uh, group could be. We didn't have, you know, there was no name for it at the time, and we we had to come up with something to name it. But just. Uh, I've always been a pretty big advocate of just the ESOP itself. And anytime I met a new employee or someone I did, did, during the onboarding process, did anyone talk to you about the ESOP? It, no, mm -hmm. was, and then it just naturally would occur to me to share about it because I think it's a, it, it's really unique. I mean, there's yep. ESOPs out there, but as far as just, like you said, it's 100%. All employees are part of it, vested from day one. Yeah. It's It's a big part of what you get with the culture here at SSR. So it naturally would just come out of me. So it was a, a like, I guess, a natural fit there. Yeah, I got you. Nice. Karen, how about you? Um, so I think when Andy started initially, he had a co-chair that uh, unfortunately, or more fortunately for me, um, left the company and I was asked to fill in the gap. So I became a co-chair with Andy. Um, can't even remember when that was, earlier this year at least. and. A lot has happened since, so it's an exciting time to be here, especially with ESOPtober uh, just around the corner. ESOPtober, okay. Yeah. There you go. You're <laughs> calling that phrase. I think October is officially uh, ownership month or employee yeah. ownership month, and we've, we've sort of dubbed that ESOPtober. Yeah. Um, as yeah. The, you know, just the month to celebrate what we are as a company. Mm -hmm. So so what is, I mean, is there a charter for the group? Is there what, what does it look like and, and what are we trying to do? Yeah, it's it, we have a formal charter, yeah. which uh, the charter is 
basically just a document that sort of governs our activities as a as a council. Mm-hmm. So there's some intentionality behind it. There's you know, we have a goal, we have an objective, we have parameters set out for term limits and how long someone should be on it, how we go about mm-hmm. getting new members in the future. This is meant to be something that's going to be around. This isn't just a, a, a pilot program that may be thrown to the wayside. This is right. something that we want to build and develop over time, uh, eventually, hopefully, touching all all colleagues. So how many how many people are involved in it now? Well, we've got 18, including right, 18, including Karen and myself. We originally slated that to be seven or eight people, and mm-hmm. uh, we we had invited some folks to apply, so to speak, and basically talk about what ownership means to you. And the responses that we got, we were a little bit blown away by. And there's a lot more people out there like Karen, like myself, that that love the idea of the ESOP and really had a lot to say about what ownership meant to them. And when we went through all the applications, it was it was sort of tough to turn anyone away for the first go about with all of the enthusiasm that we had. We thought it would be a great way to kick things off. Yeah. So. Kind of the behind the scenes of that, uh, Susan and I saw all the applicants who turned in their responses and Karen and Andy had selected, as we had asked them to do, six or eight people to, and, to join the committee and we Susan and I were reading through all the responses and it was like how do we turn any of these away and and yeah. so we reached out to both Karen and, and Andy and said what do you think about running a council with 18 people and they're like yeah we'll do it and so it's really we were blown away by the response of the people I think as Andy said we we did not realize the, the excitement I think that actually is within the, the halls if you will of SSR uh, about the ESOP and so we didn't turn anybody away kind of going back to the name a little bit you know i think uh, andy and karen were very intentional about selecting the term council versus committee Mm -hmm. because oftentimes when you set up a committee that almost is by definition an interim organization a group that's you know we'll start a committee and once it's done the committee is over with and and the, the idea of a council is i think a permanency if you will in terms of that organization that group and we've already asked Karen and Andy, not that we're looking anytime soon, to be thinking about who's the future leadership of this council. And as they're bringing on new people and growing the people who are part of the group, it's we want it to be a very long-term, a permanent part of our DNA, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. So what have you two been doing now since it, since it kind of got kicked off? What, what, uh, what have you been up to? I, well, yeah. after we had you know our 16 council members finally, um, the first thing we did was we had a retreat in Nashville, so we called it our uh, inaugural retreat. So we hope to do that every year, and um, we formed an education subcommittee and an event subcommittee, and kind of del- we have um, Braden Maffitt who's leading our education subcommittee and John Scott leading our event subcommittee. So, I mean, there was just a lot of collaboration and we really like ironed out the major things that we wanted to uh, achieve for the year and accomplish. Um, I would say that by the time people are listening to the podcast, you're starting to see some of that activity and some of that work, you know? And so um, really nice to see so many people from so many different offices come together and work on, you know, this initiative. And it's a fun initiative to be a part of, for sure. Yeah, we've had we had discussions about what kind of subcommittees could we have to sort of break up some of the key work that's being done. So 
ended up narrowing it down with with Tim and Susan's help about just trying to stay focused on what are sort of the two key aspects. Education being more on the side of the basics about an ESOP. We have statements. Everyone has a statement that they can look at and view what their ownership looks like from a, a financial perspective yeah. and what it means to be you know, a private company versus a public company and what the differences are there. You know, you know about the stock market and your 401k plan versus what the ESOP is. So there's some, some basics that the education committee is basically tasked with trying to organize ways to teach people about those different aspects of being an ESOP. And then on the flip side, the events subcommittee, which is a, a, a part of the group, they're more focused on what are sort of the key milestones that we have as a, an ESOP company throughout the year. Uh, mainly what you'll start to see as we roll this out with October being ownership month, a, a celebration of being owners, if you will, leading into other events that we've pegged or, or milestones like Founders Day, the day that SSR became a company. Um, when our founders set out to make this company where it was employee owned, that was really the vision from the get go, mm -hmm. and the the process behind that, and some of the history behind that, and then uh, share price reveal. What happens with our share price every year? Just togetherness, um, project spotlights. We've got a lot of ideas flowing out there that we're just trying to get organized. So, a lot of the work to this point has been the charter, getting the team together, and then focusing on what is it? There's so much that we could do. What do we want to start with to really get the ball rolling this this council? And as you guys, as you guys have looked at this, and I know we've, we've talked about it um, on, on other podcasts a little bit. How's the, how's the ESOP viewed outside of SSR? I mean, when we're talking about recruiting and things like that, I mean, are, are we leveraging some things towards that as well? I'm glad you bring that up because a big part of the education component of this is to look at how do we recruit some of that top tier talent that would, you know, how do we grow as a business? Well, we need people, we need personnel, we sell our knowledge. Mm -hmm. And so we can only sell so much knowledge and each one of us can only do so much work before you're, you're, you're filled to the brim with work. And, right? right. And so if we want to keep growing as a company, which will only keep growing our share price, we need to be able to acquire people. Um, and part of that is if we can understand the benefits while we're already owners, well, how great would that be if someone who wants those same benefits would want to come here for that reason? So I think, yeah, that, that's definitely part of it as well, that yeah. external focus too. Yeah, having, having those conversations just uh, ad hoc, I guess, when they, when they come up, when you're sitting there with a, a peer from another company or whatever it might be. Because I get asked that question a lot when, when I'm out too, just, you know, our structure. You know, what, what does it mean to be an ESOP? And, and I've seen companies that have changed over time to follow suit, you know, and, and, uh, and do that. So I think there's a, a benefit to it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what's, what's, down, what's downstream from this? Where, where are we going? You know, what, what does this look like in a year? And what do you guys see happening and, and getting accomplished? Well, I know as we're talking to you today, we're going to have some things come out during ESOPtober, but... The hope is by the time this time next year, uh, a lot more people within the company know who's part of the council, mm -hmm. knows who who's involved in it. And it's, it's felt just through kind of a you mentioned the word grassroots. That's my yeah. favorite phrase to use this. This is really talking with anyone and everyone throughout the company that we can and, and touching them in some way, whether it be a personal conversation or through one of the videos we might put out or any other type of email communication. Hopefully it's well 
more well known what we're doing and, and what we're trying to bring to the the, the company as a whole and, and touting ownership. Yeah. Karen, do you have anything to Yeah, I can add on. I think, you know, the ultimate goal is to truly inspire the ownership mindset to cultivate an ownership culture where everybody feels like an owner, your voice matters, your ideas matter. And if there's something you want to do, or if there's a change, positive change that you want to um, implement, you know, there's people around to support you. And, and um, you know, it's hard to just say, like, act like an owner. So you kind of have to start somewhere, which is why we started with, okay, education, celebration, but, you know, that's kind of the difficult piece is how do you truly insinuate that ownership mindset? You know, I like to think that um, if you were starting an engineering firm on your own, okay, you have you have all the people, you have the desks, you've got all the programs you need. Well, the first thing you need is client. So we have to get clients. We have to do a good job for our clients and keep our clients. And then we want the smartest people and we want to retain our people. So now we have to educate our own people. So we have things like mechanical knowledge form. I'm sure other disciplines have similar things. Um, the Epic Committee to keep us up to date with you know what's going on in the industry. Um, the mentorship program, you know, so I think our company is making the right decisions and, and, and to be, like I said, it's the best company I've ever worked for. And I, I really mean that. So it's just, you know, inspiring that ownership mindset to everybody in the company. And I yeah. think a lot of that actually happens by education and learning more about it. I mean, you can say, you know, act like a tennis player. Well, until you understand how to play tennis, <laughs> you know, you can, you're just a actor on TV, you know, mm -hmm. as you've seen some commercials where we really want to, back to that grassroots word, you know, when people understand what it means mm -hmm. and that what their actions mean to the success of this company, which means the success of their ownership in this company, and they see their statements, you know, blossoming or blooming, I think that's when people start, it becomes contagious almost. And people, yeah. and I think that's where the recruiting comes in and say, hey, you know, come to work for us and, you know, look what can happen in a special way. Uh, kind of, let me jump back, you know, Karen mentioned what they've been doing a little bit as they started it. One thing she left out is the education. I mean, these 18 people, I mm. mean, we've gone through at least four hours of pretty detailed explanation of ESOPs. So they're not just coming at it without any preparation for it. And, you know, they've spent a lot of time learning about it. Uh, and they're mm -hmm. very serious. Both Karen and Andy have spent many more hours in terms of leading it and organizing it. So it's been a it's been a big uh, ask for both of them. And I think also the other 16 people that are involved in it. I mean, they've sat through at least four hours of education that I put on with them. And, uh, uh, and it was an exciting information. <laughs> Uh, so, but it, it was kind of that yeah. basics that you had to kind of start with. So as they become that resource for people, I think they'll be a valuable and a good resource. And, uh, and they, and they are building that uh, knowledge base of what an ESOP is and what it means to be an ESOP company. Yeah. So a lot of work there. Yeah. It's, it's really, um, it's that communication aspect. It's that baseline knowledge. You know, what we're not doing, you you have an HR partner already, and you may have some technical questions about, you know, I'm, I'm planning to retire. What is that going to look like for me? Those are still conversations to have with your HR partner. But what we want to be in the EOC is a resource, just a general resource that if someone has a, a thought or a question about, well, what does that mean with with regards to the ESOP? We can hopefully answer those questions. You touched, Andy, on on. How we, how we recruit with it and how the message that goes out 
when it comes to our clients, I think it's also a, a message to clients. It's a little bit of a recruitment too. I mean, they, they like to hear the fact that we're, we're owners and we care about it in that way and that we understand the connection between the client life, the things that Karen mentioned about, hey, the first thing you want to do is make sure you've got clients and you're taking care of your clients. And if everybody's feeling that way and make, makes that connection, I think clients see that and they understand that. So I think the message to them is, is very similar in that, hey, you know, you're important to us, important to every individual that's talking to you down, downstream, however far downstream it goes, because they understand that, that that's part of being an owner is taking care of your clients. And, and so I think that's a, a big part of the message that, that goes out. And, and, it's, and it's like when you're on a phone call with a client, you know, you're an owner, act like an owner. And I say that all the time. I think that's, that's a true statement. So everybody, so everybody good? All good. Great, Great message. message. Appreciate, Appreciate you guys, guys doing that. that. Looking, forward, Looking forward to seeing, seeing the stuff come out, come out with it. And Me too. Yeah. Be fun. Thanks for joining us for this episode of SSR On Air. We hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. You can also connect with us on social media. Links to everything can be found in the show's notes. Take care, everyone. See you next time.